You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Huzzah! And Veronica Daschle. Hello! And we're a three-person uh, way team this <laughs> this week. Alan couldn't join us, uh, so we're, we're going to be uh, getting along without him. Yeah! We've got some Star Trek news to talk about first off. Did you guys hear that Star Trek Discovery won an Emmy? Yeah! Yeah, pretty cool, huh? Yeah, they won the the visual effect Emmy uh, for the episode Sukal in season three. That that's yes. Yeah, burn. Yes. Yeah, you remember that one, Veronica? I do. That that's a great episode, and very visually lush. I mean, I think that's a a a well deserved win. You know that you mentioned it. I um I haven't really followed awards in a long time because there there was a time when I would look at all the. I, I tend to follow a lot of the Emmy awards. But I didn't look at I haven't looked at things such as Hugo Awards and sound editing, because, you know, it's funny what I remember even more than the visuals was that voice that he did when he would mm. scream. And right. that, I can't even do it. There are certain sounds. It may be a personal thing. There's certain sounds that grate on you. You know, they don't bother some people. If anybody knows Babylon 5, the sound of the shadows screeching through space. To right. this day gets It gets me. It just yeah. gets me the way he screamed. When, the, when he would almost bring on the burn again, yeah. something about that goes all over me. So, and that in conjunction with the visuals of the show, that was an effective show, even though I still question the burn, you know, we, we, we talked about that in depth. Uh, <laughs> it was still pretty effective. That's well-deserved. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when they were walking around in that sort of um, the, the hundred year old glitchy uh, holodeck reality yeah, and it sort of turns into a, you know, sort of weird, um, you know, was it I sure is that the, the artist who are like you going up the stairs, but also down the stairs kind of uh, Escher? Escher Escher. Am I saying? Yeah. That? Oh, yeah. 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 It, it turned into that sort of thing. You have like a gormagander flying by. It's just uh, it's just great looking. That was yeah. good. Yeah, that's a good episode that, you know, all I hate to say of all the discovery episodes I've seen that may that would probably emotionally have stayed with me more than almost any of them, because I really felt for him oh, at yeah. the end of the day. He was just a lost little child. And and it, I just really felt for him on that. Uh, that was an emotionally deep episode. Yeah, it was impactful for Saru as well. Yeah, uh, we, got, we got to see Saru as a, as a human being. Oh, yeah. You know, seeing Doug Jones without the makeup, which was pretty awesome. That was cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I haven't follow. I don't follow award shows unless something I like wins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Other than that, I don't. Um, I sort of. I think the final straw for me was when Star Trek Beyond lost the makeup Emmy or uh, Academy Award back in 2016 to Suicide Squad. You know, after they you oh, know, all yeah. of the alien races they'd created for that movie, they created like 50 unique alien races as a celebration right. of the 50th anniversary. And they had that one where she opened up the back of her skull. Yeah, and that one with <laughs> like, the horns. How did that not win? Like the seashell head lady. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. no. <laughs> all right. Well, moving along. Now, we just recently did a live show that, that's up on YouTube where we were talking about a lot of stuff that came out of Star Trek Day. But one thing that we didn't talk about was Alex Kurtzman talking about uh, a potential Starfleet Academy series. Was that talked about on Star Trek Day? Yeah. Yeah. They did an interview with Alex Kurtzman on Star Trek Day, and he mentioned uh, the Starfleet Academy series. I missed that one. You don't remember that? Nope. No? Okay. Well, there was a bit with Will Wheaton where he did an interview with Alex Kurtzman. 
And as part of his interview with Alex Kurtzman, Alex Kurtzman, Kurtzman mentioned this uh, Astrophy Academy series. My brain has blanked that out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, to recap then, um, you know, he talked about how there's five shows on the air, which is kind of a miracle. They're not in a hurry for more shows. Um, they want to put on more shows that are worthwhile. Uh, and one of the, uh, the idea that he mentioned was Starfleet Academy and mm -hmm. that, you know, it's uh, a theme of the show might be that there's this new generation that has to inherit the problems of the older generation. And what are they going to do to make the world a better place? What do we learn from the wisdom of our elders? And then what do we take on as our responsibility, uh, which sounds pretty intriguing. It sounds like a, a good idea for a show. And it sounds timely. Yeah, timely. Yeah. I mean, but that's always timely of yeah. the younger generation having to clean up the older generation's messes <laughs> or inheriting their problems. It's going on forever. So is that a, that's a definite thing then it's definitely going to be done. No, he didn't announce it. He just mentioned mm. that as, as a potential for a, a future show, which this, the stuff of the Academy idea, I mean, even just in this era has come up a number of times right. um, that people were working on it. Uh, but I mean, it's an idea that goes back to what the eighties when, yeah. um, Harv Bennett was was trying to do a Starfleet Academy movie for Star Trek Six, but I mean, there's a reason for it. It's you know, young people, space adventure, drawing a new crowd. Yeah, yeah. I just unfortunately, because the last few decades or whatever, I have to get the CW out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, it might be a good fit for CW if they're if they're going to do a Star Trek CW. This wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah, I just don't want to see a whole bunch of pretty people like, uh, you know, like a one tree hill at the Academy or something <laughs> like that. Right. You know, something you said was interesting when you talked about um, when you and Veronica said it's timely and it, it would make sense and like a new generation. I read years ago and gosh, I cannot remember where this was. It was actually it was either an interview with one of the Star Trek creators or it was even in one of the, um, the books, one of the actual Star Trek books. But mm. there was. I'm almost sure it's in a Star Trek book, but I remember there was a thing I had read that Kirk had always found it a little amusing that when Kirk was brought into the Academy, Kirk and the people who came in around his time had been specifically chosen by Starfleet because they needed more daring people. Yeah, I they think needed, that's from the motion picture novelization. Is that, that what it is? That the people okay. who gravitate towards Starfleet are sort of throwback people. Yeah, that the, the, the 23rd century people are, are more advanced than <laughs> than Captain Kirk. Right. And I remember that. And he always found it amusing because later on in series like uh, Next Generation or even Voyager, they look back at the days of Kirk and they even sometimes talk about kind of the cowboy mentality they had. Right. And right. obviously, Jane Ronberry, as he went to the 24th century with Picard and them, he he wanted to get rid of some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I always thought it was interesting that um, they had actually said, and I guess you're right, it was in the book, they'd even said that they had lost enough starships and that they felt, I think what it was, they were basically getting people, the most intelligent people and the most, the people who had on paper the best leadership. And then with Kirk and them, they said, you know what, we need people who have that old school spirit, people who might be, you know, frankly, a little bit on the prone to violent, people who are, who are might think with their fists instead of just their heads, people right. a little bit more daring. And I've always found that interesting. So to your point, given the times in the history of the future and our times, it would be interesting to see what kind of a class they would build, oh, what yeah. stories they want to tell. Something that would be interesting to me and sort of playing with their arcs. I mean, if you imagine captain picard and captain kirk and we find out during the shows that in their academy days they were basically opposites of how they are you know yes. kirk was this grim you know bookworm and yes. picard was sort of this uh you know getting in bar fights and hustling domjot kind of a guy and they both <laughs> they grew up you know they, they both went the opposite directions you know i mean it'd be kind Good of interesting point. to start a show and then the sort of the kirk type character and the picard type character flip 
as the show goes on and the characters develop. I think that'd be something interesting to play with and playing against the expectations that the, that the Kirk in the show isn't who you thought it was. Yeah, that that's a good cool. point. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, as um, as Finnegan said, Kirk uh, brought up Kirk. Well, you're right. He was kind of a nerd. He was Gary yeah. Mitchell said he was a, he was an instructor. And people basically said, watch out in his class. You sink or swim. Yeah, he said right. he was a, a stack of books <laughs> with legs. That's right. <laughs> now, which episode was it where he told maybe maybe it was surely where he told uh, Bones that he was was he said positively grim. That was, was it. Yeah. 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 Because when he said Finnegan was always torturing him because he was right. so serious. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That would be interesting to see. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's a good, you know, that's a good episode for a podcast once we could actually kind of, um, or at least a topic, like one of those topics at the end of the show, how would we populate an academy class? What would we yeah. be looking for? We'll be looking for diplomacy. We'll be looking for um, somebody who wants to just face danger and things like that. It'd be an interesting discussion. I know oh, what yeah. I do. Yeah, I think it'd be a pretty interesting uh, premise for a show. And I think we yeah. were just talking recently. I mean, they're going to need more shows soon, you know, as mm-hmm. the shows they have wind up. And what it, it takes a few years to get one of these things off the ground with all the pre-production right. and everything. So right. uh, I think it's interesting that he was willing to just talk openly about the Academy show. I think that makes it uh, pretty likely. And I thought I, I found it surprising that he mentioned Academy and didn't, didn't mention Section 31. So I'm wondering if mm-hmm. um, which ones maybe like the on-deck show oh, may have changed, you know? Point. Yeah, I don't know. Section, I guess we'll see. Or maybe Section 31 is in the work, so he didn't want to talk about it. Could be. Anything to bring Michelle Yeoh back. Yep. So if I got to choose between the two, I'll take Michelle Yeoh. So we just need time. Michelle Yeoh to be the instructor at the Academy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> then you know what kind of class together. we're going to get. <laughs> You'll have a class full of assassins and espionage right. and <laughs> all kinds of stuff. That would be awesome. awesome. Wouldn't it be great? Yeah. All right. Well, moving along, uh, Viacom CBS recently confirmed that they have uh, a new chief. There's a new uh, a new chairman and CEO over there who's uh, taking over, Brian Robbins. Mm. Uh, but in all the talk and, the, you know, they always talk about things they have in the works and projects and, you know, sort of uh, promoting what CBS Viacom's got going on. But along it, they mentioned, um, you know, uh, I got a quote right here. It's, Since inception, Paramount has been synonymous with great theatrical entertainment, and together we have launched massive global hits like Mission Impossible Fallout and helped build new cinematic worlds like A Quiet Place and Sonic the Hedgehog and elevated existing ones like Transformers and Star Trek, and then in parentheses, with new films in the works, among others. Which the interesting thing about that to me was that they named films and not a new film in the works. Uh, so it, it, what it sounds like is that CBS Viacom has uh, multiple Star Trek films in the works. And I think I read somewhere also with that, they said that they were trying to get a film out in 2023, right? Yeah. I, I, I heard. Yeah. Yeah. That was the the one that's directed by Matt Shackman, the guy from right. WandaVision. Uh, now, they'd also previously talked about this film that's being developed by uh, Kalinda Vasquez. Yes, Kalinda Vasquez. Right. I remember I remember the Kalinda part and I had, to, I had to pull the last the last name out of my memory. So, I mean, that's two that we know about. I'm wondering, it's, it's interesting to me that this Max Chapman film, you know, at least one of the writers has worked on, um, was it Captain Marvel? And then Matt Shackman directed WandaVision. It's like they're mm-hmm. pulling, deliberately pulling, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe people, you know, right. people who have some experience in that. Mar- so I'm wondering if they're trying to take Star Trek into a, down a Marvel route. Like everybody else is trying to do with their franchises. You mean like a, a, a connected universe kind of thing? Yeah. In that way? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I get a, I get a little tired of connected universes. That's that's a, that's a person. I mean, I like to know everybody's in the same universe, but I kind of hate it when it all ties together too much. Yeah. Um, what what you read and heard? Have y'all heard it all? Are they bringing back another Kelvinverse movie? Are they going to finish out a Kelvinverse and then do an original series, original universe movie? What what have we heard so far? Is Tarantino literally in the mix at all? Seriously, I, I don't know. Recently, <laughs> um, the guy who co-wrote that tarantino project with him was on a podcast and he was talking about some of the ideas and it mm-hmm. sounded like they were going back in time and a lot of gangster movie references and things like that <laughs> um, okay it's sort of like a piece of the action but with time travel uh i don't i don't know um, so it's reservoir Do- reservoir dogs <laughs> may- maybe so <laughs> tarantino maybe so. does it <laughs> yeah uh, so I, I don't i don't i don't know i would be surprised tarantino's always said that he was doing what like 10 movies and then he was going to stop so I right. don't think he would pick his last movie to be a Star Trek movie. Mm. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I don't think he would do that. So if they want if they want Tarantino to direct, I think they ought to just like break it up into pieces and make it a little TV thing. And then he can say it's not one of his movies. It's a TV show. Yeah. But yeah, Tarantino also is a guy who will talk about an idea for a movie for 20 years and then right. maybe make it, you know, so who knows right. if the, that Tarantino thing will ever happen. Right. Uh, I think the Matt Shackman. Now, I don't remember if this was my assumption or if it was talked about that it would be um the reboot crew the kelvin verse crew mm-hmm. that was that's okay. why but i might have just assumed that when they said new star trek movie from paramount um so who knows i mean i think if you're going to do a cinematic universe i think star trek was doing you know connected shows and movies long before marvel was doing it on film absolutely um, so i think it's a it's a franchise you could do it from i what makes me nervous is if they try to make them all you know $300 million movies expecting a billion dollars at the box office. Right. And then they're just setting themselves up for failure. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I've said this before on the podcast, but like the, the first, the two hour premiere of Star Trek discovery was more epic than any Star Trek movie we've seen. They have giant battles Absolutely. and elaborate Klingon ships and, you know, f- filming on location in other countries and things like that. I mean, I th- just let the TV department do it, you know, do a, a Star Trek movie out of the TV department, spend $50 million on it. And if you make, 300 million you made a great a great business decision <laughs> you know yeah, yeah you make an interesting point and that's one of the you know they, like like the old cliched saying goes that's why they call it show business because right. uh, you had said before also charles which i agree with the star trek actually ultimately works better on television than at mm-hmm. the theater and we shouldn't expect it to be a billion dollar franchise at the theater because that's not what star trek ever was right. so i agree with you that um some of the great the greatest stuff i've seen has been on television like when you talk about the battles my gosh i think about the dominion war mm-hmm. there are still some of the best battles i have ever seen oh, yeah. um i forget the name of the episode but gosh gosh the wings oh favor the bold mm-hmm. um you know there's a great battle when the, the great battle between the dominion and the klingons and the cardassians and there's this whole battle and only the, and only the defiant comes out of the battle i mean that is some great stuff it's like a 20 oh, yeah. year old show yeah. but to your point i agree i don't want them to go this route where they're trying to do a marvel type of thing so i think that marvel thing was a always is a flash in the pan and i don't know if you can recreate it exactly like that again no well a lot of people have tried and yeah. not achieve what marvel's achieved so it'd be interesting to, i don't know if there's a good plan in place i always go back to in my mind you know the motion picture was a big expensive movie yeah and it made a lot of money, but not enough money for how much it costs. So for Star mm-hmm. Trek Two, they got Harv Bennett, who was the TV producer. He did the the Six Million Dollar Man and right. produced it out of the TV department for a lot less money, and it was a hit and better. <laughs> you know, it was a great <laughs> movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So I don't know. I think they've got a, a, a lot of really creative, talented people, and they're creating a lot of stuff for, for television that looks great and there's cinematic and quality. So I, I wish they would just cut the budget down and, and make a lot of less expensive Star Trek movies. But who knows? Who knows? And who knows if they'll even go theatrical or if they're going to start putting movies on Paramount Plus. I don't. I don't know what's going on anymore. To your point about that, I heard that the new CEO um, is. Evidently, he talked to what's the name? I forget the, the lady's, I'm still the woman's last name, but she's Redstone. So from the Redstone family. Okay. And I hear that the new CEO who is taking over, um, evidently, he made a very impassioned series of discussions with Red, Miss Redstone to say that Paramount's future is on the television and the streaming mm-hmm. side. Yeah. And, evidently, and they split it up into a movie division and into a television division. Right. And that the the person over the television division is also the CEO of Showtime. I yes. think he's over Paramount right. Television, Showtime and Paramount Plus. And the new CEO is really pushing Paramount Plus and streaming. Mm-hmm. So to your point, maybe the move, maybe they won't put just a huge budget in the movies. Maybe they'll just do enough to where they bring you back to television because they they see that as the cash cow, I think, yeah. <laughs> in a lot of ways for a whole bunch of reasons. Yeah. And you know what, too, if you look at the the, the Star Trek episodes that were sort of two hour episodes that were made mm-hmm. not not a two-parter but they were made to be two hour episodes like all good things way of the warrior mm-hmm. um which what was the voyager one called was that dark frontier with the board queen and the flashbacks to seven of nine yes. childhood anyways but yeah i mean the, i think those are better movies than a lot of the star trek movies anyway you know absolutely like yeah. just make i'd be happy with tv movies but i'm also a nerd and they've got my money regardless so they need to try to <laughs> feel as someone besides me yeah use the, use the star trek movies to bring people to uh paramount plus and yeah. watch everything right. else yeah the, i think so the new folks who think they need flashy stuff and then realize what star trek is and yeah become a track exactly right all right and i've got one more quick thing on the news uh titan mm-hmm. comics is celebrating 35 years of the genesis trilogy with an archival wow. star trek interview book uh so this is a 128 page hardcover uh from titan that uh collects the the genesis trilogy anniversary special and it says here an in-depth book celebrating the classic trilogy of star trek movies two to four wrath of khan search for spock and the voyage home with classic interviews behind the scenes features and rare imagery relive the thrills and excitement of these unforgettable movies um so if you're if you're a fan of of those three movies and I don't know why you wouldn't be. It's up for pre-order now on Amazon. It comes out from Titan December 7th. I may have to pick that up. I read the novelizations of those three movies. I'm one of the rare people that thinks the the Search for Spock is the better, the best of the three. But I wow. like them all. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it's my favorite. It's it's because it's deeply emotional. Yeah. Um, I love the Wrath of Khan and his death, but I the the uh, the destruction of the Enterprise. Uh, I remember the uh, Klingon ship sailing through the skies of Vulcan as they're mm-hmm. bringing Spock's body back. It's just so deeply emotional. That's my oh, favorite yeah. of the three. But I love that trilogy. And oh, so yeah. this is something I may have to pick that up. I didn't know yeah. about that. Yeah. Now, you had some news also, Keith. Is that right? Yeah, just a couple of things. I was reading the other day that um, Brett Spiner, everybody's favorite data, mm-hmm. who I, f- I first saw on, uh, was it Night Court? <laughs> years ago, <laughs> yeah, a ridiculously comedic role. Brent Spiner has written a book that is coming out on October 5th. The name of the book is Fan Fiction, a Memoir Inspired by True Events. Yeah. And according to Spiner himself, the book is loosely based on real life. It's what he said is a mix of LA gumshoe comedy 
and drama and details how a star can sometimes be tormented by deranged stalking fans. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. What I need to know is, is there an audio book and Brent Spiner is reading it, of course, correct? Yeah, here's the thing. And to your, that's a good, good point, Veronica. What he's doing is he's kind of it's kind of like a it's kind of an autobiography of his life, and it's kind of an autobiography about being one of the most let's be honest, one of the most famous Star Trek actors who's ever lived. And what happens when you go to conventions and you don't want sometimes you don't want to talk to people or you go to parties and sometimes everybody's always around you. And then what is it like to be a fan yourself? And and to your point. Um, the, it tells stories, some of which are true and some of which are fictional, and you can't really tell. But he did um, talk about his life as an actor, as a Star Trek actor. He tells stories about what's it like to be in the same dressing room as Michael Dorn and watch Michael Dorn take three hours to get makeup done <laughs> to become Worf. He talks about working with Patrick Stewart and people like that. And to your point, he did do an audio book. And he has signed pretty much all the TNG cast to read themselves in the audio book. Oh, so. Wow. Yeah, he will be reading himself. He's gotten LeVar Burton, Patrick Stewart, Jonathan Frakes, Gates McFadden. He's gotten everybody, and pretty much everybody is done. And at the time I read this article, which is about two weeks ago, they were just still waiting to finish Marina Sirtis' mm-hmm. stuff because she's actually been in, in Britain for a while. Right. So he, he, he had the whole game together. The interesting thing was he didn't check with any of them before he wrote the book. <laughs> um, he said he sent stuff to them after, and they were fine. So it's, it's got to be like a it's got to be a really weird thing. There are certain stories like I. Hope this is not offensive, but there's a story in the book where his character, because LeVar Burton and he are such good friends, when LeVar Burton's daughter was born, LeVar Burton, to show his friendship for Brent Spiner, presented him with some of the placenta from her birth. <laughs> <laughs> And this is in the book. Like, what the heck? And so the interview I read, the, uh, the, the, the the reporter kept going, okay, is this story true? Is this story true? <laughs> and he goes, well, I can kind of tell you that I don't think Misha Burton would be talking to me if, if her dad gave me some placenta <laughs> from her birth. <laughs> And so I, think I would almost th- expect that. I would almost expect <laughs> an, uh, Andrew Robinson to do that sort of thing. That right. makes me think of yeah. Derek. Like, which, wh- what was true? It was all true, especially the yeah. lies. Especially <laughs> the lies, yeah. right. <laughs> So it sounds like it sounds like one of those, you know, it sounds like a book kind of like the, the books that uh, Leonard Nimoy wrote where there is yeah. there is um, you're 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 divided about being a Star Trek actor. You love the fans, you know, you love the celebrity, but it also can be intrusive sometimes. And I know Brent Spiner is actually a very private person. So I think instead of telling a biography, a pure autobiography, and maybe offending people, he took it a little bit on the fiction side. Yeah to where he's going to play this guy who has a great life, but it also has a downside. So I'm actually looking forward to it. That sounds awesome. I think calling yeah. it a memoir is hilarious. <laughs> yes. Yeah, isn't that great? <laughs> but yeah, he's done a, a few versions of this sort of thing of where he's playing himself. He did a YouTube series. Yeah. I just yeah. forgot the name of and then a musical. Oh, that's right. Where he's playing right. like a, a, a comical version of himself in his life, which I, this sounds great. And, uh, yeah. you know, we'll get it on Audible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, looking forward yeah. to it. Yeah, a couple more quick things. Uh, Charles, you just mentioned uh, Titan Books. Yep. They're also um, there's also a new Titan book coming out. It's um, it's a coffee table book. It's called Star Trek: First Contact: The Official Story of the Film. It's a new book that's uh, I said meant as a coffee table book. 
And what it is, is this basically they've gone back and pulled more archival footage from the production of the movie that hadn't been released before. Mm. They've gone back and interviewed the cast and the crew from First Contact with, so they said, never before, never before done interviews. It's kind of an update on that. Um, and what I find interesting is that one of the co-authors recently wrote a book called Planet of the Apes, The Evolution of the Legacy, <laughs> which, I thought, which I thought was kind of interesting. That drops in April of uh, next year. But April I'm looking 5th. forward to that. April, April 5th. Yeah. Yes. Hey. Oh, that's right. There's First something else day. that goes with it. That's no, right. That's, First that's contact day. Your birthday present sorted out. Yep. Yeah. Act surprised. <laughs> Y'all couldn't see to, it, but I made a shocked face. <laughs> to your point, such a good movie, First Contact. You know, oh, yeah. uh, it's just it's got everything for everybody. You know, it's got some emotion. It's got a lot of action, and so I'm looking forward to that one too. Mm-hmm. The last one I've got another book that's coming out on uh, September 14th, which actually has dropped by the time this will air, is a book by a woman named Una McCormick. And hey. it's the, the autobiography of Mr. Spock. Yeah. Now, Una McCormick is one of the best Star Trek writers working out there. Okay. But also, number one's name, Una, was named after Una McCormick. That's what the, because I the Star Trek novelists needed to come up with a name for, her, and they named her after Una because, uh, You're you know, why kidding. not? Yeah. So, Una McCormick okay. is the namesake for number one. But also, she's just a great Star Trek writer. I love Una McCormick's books. Even I didn't know that. So, I, whoa, okay. That got me in a trivia contest. So, <laughs> It's a book that covers Spock all the way up to Discovery and Strange New Worlds. Wow. And so she has taken taken five decades of Star Trek lore, all the different stories from the original series and some of the other books and the movies and the recent television series, Discovery and, and um, Strange New Worlds, to try to tell a history of Spock from his childhood. Yeah. Until he becomes a, a member of the Starship crew, and it's a very the 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 conceit of the book is that Spock is doing I can't pronounce this it's a Tasan a lot T apostrophe S A N then A apostrophe L A T, and supposedly what happens is Vulcans will often write a book of their wisdom and experiences. And then before they die or when they get older, they pass that book on to another person who's meaningful to them. Mm. And in this case, this is basically an autobiography Spock has written that he is presenting to Jean-Luc Picard. Oh, wow. Because of the, clo- the closeness they have, you know, because as people may know, they they were very they became very close in the TNG series, the unification, and they actually mm. mind milled it. So they actually share. And so it talks about his life. It actually goes deeper into Amanda and Sarek. It explores the whole reason why Amanda came to Vulcan. It has an entire chapter on what it was like for her to be a human on Vulcan and raising Spock, which I find is interesting. And they say for those who complain, like myself, sometimes it even tries to bring in the fact that we keep pop. Spock keeps having all these siblings that pop up. (laughs) (laughs) Please tell me another one's going to pop up in this book we've never heard of. That would be hilarious. Wouldn't that be great? They didn't say so, but uh, she did mention that it was those who complained about Cyborg and Burnham. And she even said people who there are people who have problems about the Red Angel and the sphere from the series. She said, I'm going to try to make this all seem like it makes a little bit more sense. So maybe you won't scoff at it quite as much as you've had in the past. Well, that sounds like fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be awesome. Okay. Who's reading the book? Uh, That's all I want with audio. I don't know. I, I didn't see anything on the audio. I need to look that up. It's a good point. They didn't mention anything on the audio book for what I saw. Ethan there. Peck. It probably won't be Ethan uh, Peck. No, it will I probably not be. Ethan probably Peck. Robert Petkoff because he does all the, the, the male narrated Star Trek books now, but mm. um, I, who knows? I mean, maybe they'll throw a curveball and have Zachary Quinto do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be great. <laughs> 
And that's all the news for me. All right. Well, thank you for that. Now, did you also have some This Week in Trek for us this week? Yeah, just a couple of quick things because, gosh, we're already a half an hour. Isn't that amazing? I know. We talked to- <laughs> Alan's not here, so we overcompensated on the news. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> just a couple of memorable dates I want to bring out. Um, September the 6th, um, September the 16th. 1925, one Morgan Woodward was born. Oh, okay. And that's his birthday. And Veronica, I don't know if you know who that is, but um, she does not. You can uh, see my confused face. <laughs> uh, I can't think of a quick thing from Simon the- Van Gelder. Yes. What, what did you say? Remember that? Simon Van Gelder. You know Simon Van think, Gelder. No. Think of the no. first mine. Think of the first mine mill ever shown in Star Trek. Yeah. It Captain, was with Spock. He was Captain Ron Tracy. Yes. No. Nope. What? He was okay. Have you ever seen Cool Hand Luke? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Remember, no. Ever ever seen Dallas? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, it was the they, they, oh, the original series episode Dagger to Mind, where you basically had the mad scientist who was experimenting on people and kept putting them in yeah. the chair that would empty their mind. And he was the guy who sneaked aboard the Enterprise and was crazy. They yeah. thought and in a uh, crate. found out. Yeah, in a crate. I had the crate and the transporter yeah. beat you up anyway. <laughs> and it turned out his assistant had jumped him and put him under the the, the mental ray, the neuralizer ray. Mm-hmm. And it's the it's the occurrence of the very first mention and example of the Vulcan mind mill. Spock mind yeah. milled with him to find out. He also played as uh, Charles was saying, Ron Tracy in the series, the one at the Mega Glory. And Veronica, that's the one where it was like an alternate, it was um, a dupe, a parallel, not a parallel, it was another plant that had the exact same history of Earth, which is one of Gene Romberry's favorite things. But in that world, they had the World War III and the Communist one. And it was the one when they went to the planet, it was run by Asians, basically, and all the white people were savages. And it turned out the white people were Yankees. <laughs> they were descendants of Americans who got defeated. It's the E Club Nista episode. <laughs> yeah, the E Club <laughs> I have posted that on Facebook on the 4th oh, of July. Oh, okay. Every yes. year yes. I've known you. Yes. Okay. Yes. You had to say the one where, where Kirk reads the Constitution. Yeah. And yes. I get it. <laughs> That's, I don't yeah, remember that, anything else. I remember the Constitution reading, but I have no memory of the rest of it. And a quick aside, that's another podcast episode. That episode, uh, podcast episode, that episode, the Omega Glory, is an example to me of one of those Star Trek episodes that starts off so promising, and by the end, you're like, "What the hell just happened?" Because the, <laughs> the beginning is great. You know, you yeah. got you got people fall, turning in the dust because of a virus and stuff like that. So that was his birthday. A uh, couple other real quick ones that I don't I don't want to miss because we are we are taking a little time here. That's fine. On okay, cool. In that case, on. Um, this is ironic. On the birthday of Morgan Woodward was 16th of September. On September the 16th of 2002, James Gregory passed away. Oh, wow. Wow. And James Gregory was the doctor yeah. who was operating the mental institution yeah. that had imprisoned Dr. Van Gelder. He was the bad guy. Oh, wow. And even so even more that, wow. They're in the same episode. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one where the Helen Noel uses the machine to convince Captain Kirk that they got together at a party, the Christmas party. You don't remember that? Nope. Then you remember that one because you would remember that. Okay, we'll have to watch. That's Veronica's home. Yeah, to watch. Okay, you will love it, Veronica. I love that episode. I'm sure. It's 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 a great episode. On um, another birthday, this is interesting. On also on 16th of September, 1960, Jane Brooke was born. Oh, okay. Yeah. Admiral Cornwell. Yeah, the Admiral from Discovery. Yes. Yeah. And am I the only one who hated that they, spoilers, 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 
Am I the only one hated they killed her off? Uh, I hated they killed her. I hated it more the way they killed her. Yes. Yeah. Because you would not have the admiral go defuse a bomb. No. Like, no. If there was a, no. a, like a if there was a car bomb in Iraq or something, you have <laughs> Colin Powell or or General Schwarzkopf don't run on there and roll their sleeves up. Right. And, you, you've got the bomb right. guys for that. Yeah. And she was and, also, not, and she was not even a, a a bomb technician. She was like a psychologist before exactly. she became an admiral. She's like the first admiral I've seen who wasn't. You're right, like some kind of roboticist or scientist or who's the least person? disposable person on the ship. <laughs> Go defuse the bomb. Yeah, and in light of tonight's show, we needed a red shirt there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so she's a great actress, and I, I really hate that they they killed her off the show. On um, September 15th, I'm going backwards for a reason. Okay. September 15th, 1997, Blue Del Barrio was born. Oh, great! Yay! Yeah. Yeah, and from what I read, Star Trek uh, Discovery is her first credited series. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm sorry to correct you, but they, it's their they, first series. Oh, sorry, you're yep. right. Thank you, thank you, they. they. I, w- I read an article today. It was funny where um, they were talking about that. And one thing they were saying is when you refer to people like that properly, sometimes you should check with them because some articles will say she, then they, mm-hmm. she, and they. Right. And so, but I think you're right. Blue goes by they. That's my not understanding. Sh- yes. She. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So if anyone so, out there knows that we're wrong, please let us know because we're not trying to be wrong. Right. Happy birthday to Blue. Yeah. A uh, couple more birthdays. Man, people were busy uh, going backwards. September the 15th, 1977, Tom Hardy was born. Oh, okay. Shenzhen slash Picard <laughs> clone yeah. from Star Trek Nemesis. It probably sh- his um, most famous role. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like him in um, Fury Road, Mad yeah. Max Fury Road. Yes. Uh, he, he does yeah. a great job there. Um, did y'all like that movie? Because I hear so much that people don't like Nemesis. I thought it was fine. Uh, I don't think it was the greatest, but I enjoyed it. Was that no. the last one? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things about Nemesis I don't like. It's not, it's, it's, I don't know. I would say it's probably like my 13th favorite Star Trek movie. Really? <laughs> so just about Star Trek five? No, I like Star Trek five better. Yes. Wow. I like Star Trek five. Yes. It's, it's, there's it's, not one scene in Nemesis that's as charming as Kirk, Spock, and McCoy going camping. That's a good point. And then there was the whole, um, as we all know, there's that unfortunate meme that, they seem to get in this habit of kind of abusing Deanna, the whole, yeah, yeah. You know, the whole scene, which is right. I won't use, I won't use the word, but the mind abuse thing yes. that wasn't too good. We lost data. And also I think that, that was, was that, that was what did it cut me off for nemesis. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And we never, yeah, man, there's a whole history of data and be fine. <laughs> Gosh, two more birthdays. This, this okay. was a lot of, a lot of folks here. Um, way back to September 13th, 1936, Bruce Hyde was born. And Charles may know oh, that name. Yeah, I know who Bruce Hyde is. Veronica, does that ring a bell to you? No. Uh, no, I was I was smiling because of September. Uh, ah, I'll get okay. to that later. Uh, let me see if this, this rings your memory, uh, Veronica. I'll take you home again, <laughs> Kathleen. That's not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Is, Chuck, give me a reference. Uh, okay. Kevin Thomas Riley. Okay. On Star Trek. Okay. He was in two episodes. Okay. <laughs> oh, the original series, DS9. Yes. The original series. Yes. Okay, then original I would not series. remember that. Sorry. Okay, you have okay, you have got to see an episode called The Naked Time from the original mm-hmm. series. I've, That's seen, I've seen that. I don't remember it. Yeah. I, he was I, the crazy I, guy. He was the crazy young guy who ran into engineering and turned off the engines. 
Yeah. And he started singing and he kept, he, he put himself on the intercom and the entire like last half of the show, he kept pretending he was captain and he kept singing and he was saying things like they were going to serve ice cream for dinner and they were going to have a party in the bowling alley. And yep. because of him, that's when they had to restart the engines in a really strange way. Kevin yep. Riley, a fan yep. favorite that people wish had stayed with the series. Yep. He was also in Conscience of the King. Yes. Oh, another good guy. Here we go. First half of the first <laughs> season. I love it. And yep. I saved this for the last for a reason. September 13th, 1936. Um, I was trying to think of a good one for him. Uh, I should have I should have practiced more. I was thinking about a good okay. I know this. Oh, this will give it away. You killed my brother, Pilter. <laughs> Veronica's like, what the who, hell? <laughs> who did not have a brother named Pilter on Star Trek, Veronica? <laughs> Who would have a brother named? Did not have a brother named Piotr. And who would have a brother named Piotr? Piotr. (laughs) I can't give you another Uh, clue. Check off. That's it. Yeah, you got it. (laughs) Walter Koenig was born on uh, September 13th, way back in 1936. Yep. And as we say, enough said. (laughs) I will always say I love Walter Koenig as Chekhov, but I'll be honest, he leaves a bigger impression on me as Alfred Bester in Babylon 5. Yeah, he was great in that. I can't say that he leaves a better, a bigger impression on me about because I was so young watching, watching Mm. him as as Chekhov that you can't Mm. replace that impression. But I also love that Chekhov was in Babylon (laughs) Five. I agree, and that's all the Star Trek new um, history we got this week. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. Wait, wait. Oh no! Yes, going to take a quick break. But wait, there's more. Yeah. There's more news. Y'all skipped my news. Oh, you had news. I had news. Oh, I told news. you. You already forgot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know how much of a news this is, but I saw I saw it today. Um, <laughs> Eagle Moss is releasing an advent calendar for Christmas that is a Borg cube. Wow. And inside of it are all kinds of little uh, Star Trek uh, fun things. And it's one hundred and fifty dollars. And I like advent calendars um, and that may be something that we're going to have this year. And I wanted to mention all these September births. Think of when the time of year when September babies are conceived. Nine months earlier. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which would be? December. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, okay. Christ- That's right. Uh, most of the people born in September are Christmas babies. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. we go. Yeah, or or birthday babies, depending on when your birthday is. Yeah, my birthday is December 22nd. My daughter was born September 25th. Go figure. <laughs> yeah, weird. <laughs> <laughs> so now, Veronica, this advent calendar, is this going to be like an advent calendar that is like good for only like 2022 or 2021 or something? Do you have to buy a new one every year? I Can mean, you refill it? I'm assuming you'd have to get something to refill it. Uh, no. The way that I saw it just, it looks like it has drawers that you pull out okay but they're big drawers so i don't know i they didn't have very many images okay. of it well i i read I we'll the description out. yeah i know very little about advent i was raised in the church my late father was a preacher but i i know very little about advent um so i i, I like putting things on the tree and opening little doors to read mm-hmm. little things and opening doors to get little chocolates yeah that's cool. an advent calendar i don't, I don't for know 150 bucks there better be more than chocolate in there yes okay all right any more news veronica i don't want to skip you did you have veronica did you have any this week in trek no okay just wanted to make sure before (laughs) i appreciate it so we'll take a quick break to promote our fellow eso network podcast shows and then when we come back we'll get into our discussion topic so stay right there welcome to dr geek's laboratory 
Dr. Geek here with another reminder that the ESO Network is pro-science and pro-vaccine. We urge you to be a superhero and protect yourself, your family, and your fellow geeks around the world. Don't be fooled by the forces of evil and their anti-science misinformation campaign. Consult the latest CDC guidelines, your doctor, and get the COVID vaccine today. Do you like podcasts? Then you're gonna hate Thunder Talk. Tasteless subject matter. Mature humor. Contempt for our co-hosts. Unapologetic social views. Edgy music. And total irreverence for the nerd junk we love. Are all reasons why no one. No one. No one should listen to Thunder Talk. Find us on the ESO Network. And all podcasting platforms. Or don't. Whatever. All right, and we're back. And this week we're talking about the, was it the sixth episode now of Lower Deck Season 2? Yes. yes. The Spy Humongous, which I thought was a funny title. <laughs> yeah. They, they're great with titles. Yeah, and we get a visit to the PAC-led planet. We get to see the PAC-led leadership. We get to find out what's a little more of what goes on on the ship. I thought this was a good episode. Yeah. I thought so, too. You know? Wasn't it actually named, to your point, you said they went to the PAC-led planet? Wasn't it named the PAC-led planet? It is. The yes. PAC-led planet is aptly named <laughs> PAC-led planet. <laughs> Which I think Which is I, great. I think that's perfect. It, 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 it reads like something you'd read on like a, a star map, Pac-Led planet. But also what yeah. the Pac-Led would call their planet too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pac-Led planet. Right. Speaking of the Pac-Led planet, I, I thought it was surprisingly nice. Me too. Golden buildings everywhere. And I, I expected like the buildings to be like leaning or like, yeah. like crooked columns and things like that. But not the Pac-Led Random planet. things nice. placed to hold things up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or like a... Yeah, like a futuristic trailer park or something like yeah. something strange, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> but no, I thought the, the planet was very gleaming and nice. Um, we got to find a little bit about the the pack led. Um, I guess you could call it a government. <laughs> Whoever got the biggest. Yeah, pack. that was really weird. Yeah, <laughs> the pack led queen, the pack led king, and then the pack led emperor. I I love the scene where the revolution took place. And oh, the guy says, great. we no longer have to live under the packlet, <laughs> under, under the under the big hat. They realize he's holding one. He's like, and now I am in charge. <laughs> and they all bowed. He, you are strong. <laughs> yeah. Basically the way it goes great. in real life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. But I, I, I like that. Um, it looks like Captain Freeman actually did get some recognition this week. Yeah. You know, she's, it's been sort of a recurrent theme that she wants to captain a, a capital ship. You know, last right. week she, she couldn't get into a party based on having been at that pack led battle but this week uh they sent her on an actual diplomatic mission i love it when her security officer says you keep getting more card like missions they'll give you an enterprise right right <laughs> I, I, I kept expecting to come around the corner and it'd be like there's an admiral there or something and she's supposed to right. like serve his coffee or something but no it was there, <laughs> there wasn't it, she was legitimately just on this mission which i thought was nice yeah yeah that, i love it when they kept they kept calling her janeway Yes. yes. Janeway. Yeah. Well, Janeway. They, they kept calling the Cerritos the Enterprise last year. Now, yeah. <laughs> you know, I guess Janeway is more famous than Captain Freeman, so they know that name. She's, <laughs> uh, maybe she's the only ca female captain they know. Maybe. Yeah. Just like Enterprise is the only ship name they knew. That could be. Yeah. Did, did, did one of y'all mention that there's there's a hint that somebody is behind the Packlet's aggression? That yes. There's somebody. They, they hinted okay. at that in the second episode. That was the, okay. the, the mission that Riker's team was on. To try right. to find out that who's behind the pack leads, which we didn't, we don't have anything about that yet, but we did find out that they have a plan. 
They're trying to sneak this was a Veruvian bomb to Earth. Bomb? Yeah, yeah, whatever that is. So I'm wondering then if the people who are behind it are the one who built that shiny city. Maybe. Uh, and the actual Packlet planet is a stack of trailer parks. Uh, of, of <laughs> random ships that they can't use anymore, and that's their home. It would be and- hilarious if calling it Packled Planet was a ruse, and it, it yeah. wasn't in the Packled Planet. No, but the Federation fell for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because to your point, the one thing they keep showing is they have some really, they have some really menacing-looking ships in orbit around their they, planet. They right? do. Yeah, they, they, they are no joke. I mean, this no. is the people who, who supposedly did nothing but scavenge. Remember, on yeah. in the original, in a in Next Generation, they introduced. Jordy talked about everything on their ship was stolen from somebody else. Right. And but these ships are looking pretty menacing. So that, that would be really funny if there was um, somebody behind them. And that's not you're right. Not even their planet, not even their buildings, not even their everything. Yeah, that could be, too. Maybe they stole the planet. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a good point. I hadn't thought yeah. about that. And they saw the people in charge had these large hats and that's obviously what people in charge were. And then were. the pack had a bigger hat and, and he won. Yeah. yeah. There was a there was an episode of Babylon 5 where Ivanova, played by Claudia Christian, had to yeah. do a diplomatic mission. I forget the race of the people, but literally it was like this where you had to have, I think somebody wore like a, 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 a sash around them mm. and literally whoever was yes. holding like this. Remember that? Yeah. Remember that, Charles? Like yeah. a purple sash or something. Right. And Veronica, it was just like that. Whoever had the sash around the neck was the leader. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Ivana goes, wait, are you kidding me? This is your government? She goes, you mean like if I grab the sash and she takes it off and they attack her? <laughs> Basically, <laughs> she's now trying to be leader. And it was just like them with the hat. Yeah. That's all it took. But I, I, if I remember correctly, that worked. Like they did what she said because she had the sash. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it took. So the hat thing got me. That was that was a little funny. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, there was a, a packlet spy. Uh, yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> on the show. So effective. Very <laughs> oh, effective. Gosh. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. He um, immediately started asking him to see their sensitive locations. Yeah. <laughs> Not even like pretending she'd be like, I want to. See this. Be like, I want to see your sensitive locations. Yeah. Well, I, I like we got confirmation that the ship has a gift shop. Yep. Because they said oh, they, they, they said there's a gift shop, but then he actually also had like Cerritos merch on, so which was pretty cool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. When the, when the, when, uh, when Ransom calls down and said he's a spy and that she was basically concerned, he goes, "Well, he just took a picture of his foot." <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not too concerned about it. And I, I I liked it at one point. He asked to see the Crimson Shield. Do you remember the oh, yes. deflector shield, Veronica? No. From from the Samaritan snare, the first Packled episode, and that was the, the way they tricked the Packleds was by um, emitting whatever out of the Bassard collectors on the ship, and then this red stuff comes out, and they thought it was a the Crimson deflector shield. So I guess fifteen years later, they haven't <laughs> caught on to that yet. <laughs> and that was uh, wasn't that the episode that introduced Sonia Gomez? Also, was she- it was Sonia Gomez in that too? She was on there because um, she was the one who wasn't when Jordy had been kidnapped and they kept shooting him with a phaser. She okay. was the one helping institute the red dust oh. plan. And she, and she kept saying, I don't know what's going on. And that, that's a real, you know, it's funny to your point, bringing that up, Charles, that that is really an incredibly to me silly episode and i don't buy the crimson stuff so yeah. i love their callback to make it like yeah. he, he thinks it's a real thing because yeah. it's really that. silly. Oh boy. <laughs> Oh boy, it's really silly. <laughs> well, yeah, I thought that was real funny. Uh, I, I liked. Uh, <laughs> he went into the 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 airlock 
thinking yes. it was a bathroom and locked himself in his face. I, I really liked when they were like, oh, we can't find him anywhere. And then he's just floating by <laughs> outside. Floats behind them. But I guess Packleds are pretty tough because he survived. Yeah. Oh, I love the doctor. She goes, hold it. She goes, holy, I don't want to But he's perfect shape. She does a little curse. And then she just walks away. And maybe frost them. You're right. He was, he yeah. was good to go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I like I like the whole pack led thing. I I hope that we continue having these pack led episodes mixed in. It kind of reminds you of uh, you know like back in the day when you had the the Klingon episode every season of Next Gen or the you know the Ferengi episode every, every season of DS Nine that sort of thing. You know, right. I, I like seeing these and we learn more about them every time they recur and sort of develops the, the species. I, th- I thought they're doing a great job of that with the pack leds. Pack leds are interesting because they're one of those they're one of those races you just kind of have to accept because mm-hmm. if you're if you're the kind of person who can get a little bit picky, and I'm not going to call names, but some, <laughs> <laughs> some, some, some people get a little bit too deep into the science and reality behind it, because sometimes I kind of wonder, can you be challenged like they are? And I don't mean, um, I'm not saying they're necessarily mentally challenged, but like their language skills and stuff like that. Could you really operate a warp-capable starship if they're truly as slow as they seem to be? It's kind of weird. I, mean, I guess you could be taught, right, to do things. I guess so. Yeah, so it's always funny because, like, I mean, it's one thing when, like, I know, like, language is not always an indication of intelligence, absolutely. But I was thinking about, like, dude, he flushed himself <laughs> out the airlock. He's taking a picture of his foot. So yeah. it's, it's just interesting. That's why you have to go with it. I mean, you absolutely have to go yeah. with it. Yeah, I think the Packleds were a great villain for Lower Decks. Yes. I, I, I agree. They, they fit very well on this show. I don't know that they would work absolutely. on Discovery as the villain. But no. on this show, I think they work really well. But meanwhile, right. we had a, a storyline going on with our main characters, or was was it anomaly anomaly consolidation, consolidation day? Yeah, yeah day. anomaly consolidation yes. day. <laughs> Basically, Where, picking up the trash. And I thought this was a really good uh, sort of developing what goes on, like life on a starship. Yeah, because yeah. we see it all the time where you know senior officers are experimenting with something like in their quarters, sometimes in a mm-hmm. lab, but a lot of times mm-hmm. they'll be like. Yes. You know, they'll be next to the warp core, like turning on an ancient robot or whatever, you know, or right. testing out a particle beam of some kind. But I, I love that the, the ensigns have to go around and like collect all this junk and, and properly dispose of it. Yeah. Lower Decks, by its very definition, they do a really good job of those little scenes where like you'll see the Lower Decks people standing here and you'll see the command staff walk by after this huge mission, like you said. And they're like, well, they just leave us in their dust. And you're, for your point, you're right. So now they're like, oh, now we got to go clean up all this stuff from all their missions. and. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff that they have in the quarters lying around was kind of shocking, though. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And poor Mariner. Yeah. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> I I love that the book that causes storybook characters to come to life. That was. That oh was my gosh. Because my first thought was like, well, this is a little silly, and they're like, no, I can think of like four different times on Star Trek where <laughs> fictional characters came to life. Yeah, the Sherlock yep. Holmes and some yeah, others. Yeah, so yeah you're right. Stiltskin. Yep. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, the three little pigs is not that far fetched for Star Trek. Oh, I forgot yeah. about Rumpelstiltskin. Skin. No, you're yeah. right. Wow, wow, good callback. I, that was on DS9, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. But my three little pigs don't look like those three little pigs. <laughs> no. <laughs> I love that Tindy was yelling, get back in the book. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was funny. And then there was the there was the slug. Yeah. Which was yeah. that was weird. Which the was screaming slug thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was <Yeah>. funny. <laughs> and then I like when um when Mariner basically when after um after Tendy comes out and she's all freaking out and she goes, 
you know, basically, so you got, what did she say? She basically something to the fact you, you were eaten and excreted by a, 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 a giant slime creature that's happened to all of us before or something to that effect. I meant <laughs> yeah. to write who, that down. Who, yeah. Who hasn't been pooped out by a that's alien? It. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's just part of being in Starfleet. Yeah. <laughs> and even though this one, this one wasn't rated TVMA or not that it should have been, when she came out, for all mm-hmm. the world, I swear it looked like they drew a sphincter right yes. there. It yes. was pretty obvious. Yes. <laughs> yep. And that's where she gave it with the, with the hypo, right? Back in the sphincter. Yeah. That, but, yeah, that was where Tendi finally hit her limit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, her optimism. <laughs> she finally couldn't maintain it anymore. I, that's one thing, though, I love about this show is that, I mean, every episode, they're developing the characters, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? Like, it's they don't waste any time. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and I love that in this one, it was really about, you know, Tendy's sort of perpetual optimism, um, right. but also about Boimler, about how much he's grown. Yeah, he, he, he joined the red shirts. Like if oh, he had joined awesome. that in season one, episode one, gone. Yeah. 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 And I, and I love it when he said, wait, you call yourself red shirts? <laughs> they're, they're, like, they're not even thinking about it. And I love that. Another thing I noticed, which was so funny, is when they showed them, I kept rewinding it. When they would walk down the corridor, they they had a walk. I mean, it was yeah. funny the way the, the way the camera was in front of them. They, they had this. It was just they were really play. They were placing in the in the one lady, not the Andorian, but the other lady. When they first sat down and told him to give that crazy speech, she turns she turns the chair backwards and sits down in it like a Riker <laughs> sit, <Yes. laughs> which I thought was funny. <laughs> I, I love the Kazinti got lines, and I love that when yes. he was demonstrating the posture, he looked just like the Kazinti telepath. Yes, <laughs> like yeah, that was great. He was actually bent over. I thought that yeah. was awesome too. That was see, perfect. I haven't seen much of the animated series, um, mm-hmm. but I I knew that that w- that the way he was bending over was specifically from the animated series, and it was yeah. a shock yeah. for the animated series, even though I hadn't seen that episode. Yeah, uh-huh. you've seen the image. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was famous. Thing. That was great, and I love this Kazinti. I, I love that they're just they build this little squad out of characters that we've seen. Right. Maybe not the. I'm sure we've seen that the the human girl somewhere. I don't remember her. Yeah. But you mm-hmm. noticed where the guy. Yeah, he was. He was. He's well. He's been sitting in that. Um, if you're from the captain's chair, the front at the helm. Right. Sure. At the helm. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's where right. where Data didn't sit. Yeah. Where Wesley okay. usually sat. Okay. He's been in there okay. it's, uh, season one, episode one and two. And then yeah. Chuck mentioned he was there in. Yeah, I noticed some strange energies because he had that line that said, Captain, there's a giant head approaching the ship. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Prepare for grabbing. <laughs> he was that guy. He had some good lines in the first episode. <laughs> Jennifer the Andorian. Yeah, Jennifer. Yeah, Jennifer. I thought I thought it was cool. And what I do like about Laura Dex is I, I, we were talking about this last week is although Boimler is just ridiculous comic relief, I, I just really feel like you come back in 10 years and I can see Boimler actually being a captain of a ship and yeah. very good oh, yeah. at it because he has all the requisite skills inside of him because when it comes down to it, he gets the job done. You know, like mm-hmm. he was... I mean, let's face it, he was he was doing something really weird for a giant space scorpion. So yeah. <laughs> and he's smart as heck. And yeah. I he's not he's not what you'd call scary. I mean, he screams a lot, but he's not a coward. Not <laughs> yeah. really, you know. So I, I like that. Yeah, he gets that being a ca- being a captain or a leader or a Starfleet officer isn't about the posturing and the speeches. <laughs> it's about getting it done, about doing the job yeah. and and helping people and diving in. Even if you have right. to make a fool out of yourself to, to make a scorpion <laughs> laugh, you know, that's what you have to do. I will say that I I would join the red shirts just for the makeover. 
They yes. are very oh, effective yes. in makeovers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Put his hair down and then the suit that looked like it muscled up. He's buff. <laughs> yeah. It was really weird. That it looked like they had stuffed something on his um his shin, not his shins, his calf. No. To make his calf bigger. That looked really weird. <laughs> yeah. Really weird. Like the the bulky chest and arms. That's one mm-hmm. thing. But those little bulky things in the back of his thigh, chin, <laughs> calf, calf. I know body parts. <laughs> that was so funny. And then when they made him give the speech, which was a good speech. Yeah. They said, what, what would Riker say? And yep. then the, that one guy gives talk about what do he say? He says something like he basically said he needed to learn to play a brass instrument or something like that. So <laughs> yeah. you know, right, they were literally, and I think it was so funny in the midst of all that humor, the kind of, you know, that was, a, that was a good message. That was even kind mm-hmm. of a track message. Like you said, Charles, it's not about appearance. It's getting the job done. And they're, yeah. they're all about the surface, but one knows how to get the job done. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the one guy got, uh, you know, he got the opportunity to be acting casted. <laughs> turns out Branson's like, what? Fine, sure. Because all it yeah. means is you like watch the bridge until the next shift gets there. Yeah. <laughs> and then they made him go clean up the uh, the airlock. <laughs> that was that I actually laughed out loud because he was there for like five seconds and the music yeah. was soaring. And then he comes and goes, shift change, get out of my chair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you saw one of the people who walked in with him, the lady who was in the back, or maybe at security, she was actually chuckled when he kicked when he kicked him out of the chair. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did love also, and I forgot to mention this, we we're talking about um the pack led spy, but uh Kayshawn, I, I was just had complaining lines. last week that Kayshawn didn't get anything to do. Uh so Kayshawn was actually in the episode and had lines and things like that. And there was oh, a new yeah. quote, but I don't remember what it is and I couldn't find it and I didn't think about it until we sat down to do this podcast. So I didn't get oh, a chance to look it gosh, up. Oh gosh, did I write that down? It was something his eyes read. Like yes. something with his eyes read. Yes, that's all uh, I remembered. He had a couple of them. He had a couple of little quick. Well, that's the main one I remembered because that was basically the OF line. Oh, when they weren't trusting the guy, he says. Are you getting Bosminty when he pulled back the veil vibes? And <laughs> that's Ransom goes, where you yeah. got the veil. Yeah, I heard the veil. Yeah. You heard the red eyes. One. Yeah. And Ransom goes, yeah. So <laughs> he, he under, understands it or he gets the context. Yeah, I guess so. You can definitely. So the ones from Darmok, I could you couldn't get the context from. But some of the right. ones that 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 uh, Kayshawn has used that are not things that we know about. You're like, OK, I, I know what that means. <laughs> I did notice, yeah. too, like when he when we saw the. The packlet floating in space, and he was like, Shaka. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. Yeah, I do love it. Though. Go ahead, Charles. Oh, just say, I'm glad K Sean has something to do again. Yes. Me too. Me too. I didn't think it was funny to your point when they were chuckling about basically, they were like, This guy's an idiot. And they turn around, he's gone. Did he teleport? What? 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 Did he cloak himself? <laughs> yeah, did he cloak himself. And then they run into the, to the space scorpion. Titania is a scorpion. I thought right. that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was great. They're just talking about how stupid he is. And they turn around and he was giving him a slip. Like, oh my God, we lost the pack. Let's buy. Right. So I thought yeah. that was pretty good. Yeah. But the best part of the entire episode was the end. You think so? You thought I... that was the best part of the episode? Yes. Okay. What did you, you love about it? Because it was hilarious. Okay. And tell everybody what you're talking about. Went with the little jewel thing and um, making fun of the slime guy that killed Tashi Yar. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. That was, funny. That was hilarious. <laughs> I like how Armist just hangs out on his planet like, I wish I could torture somebody. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and it was funny the way they did it to your point, Veronica, when they when they when they basically called them, they actually did like a bunch of teenagers because they were laughing and you hear more you hear Marina go, shh, shh, shut up, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. And then she starts she starts pranking him like how old are you? <laughs> I love that because it's so random. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Uh, but uh, Armas finally got his. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tasha Yar's been avenged. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny. And I would like to know what the heck that box was that um, whoever had left. Who's, whose quarters was that in? That was in the, was that in the doctors, the psychiatrist, the psychologist quarters, the, the yeah. cube? Oh, Whatever the that cube, cube, yeah. Was. Yeah. Because yeah. Weimler knew exactly what it was. He, he did yes. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy, is he good? Yeah. Because I, I was like, what the heck is he doing when he asked for a bunch of hot beans? I'm like, what? Yeah. what? <laughs> I was like, does I, he need to throw them on her because hot will cure yes. her? <laughs> That's what I thought for a second. I thought it was going to be something like that. And then he's like, birthday cake, bunch of candles. And they're like, oh, it's the laughter. I thought that was funny. <laughs> I, I like that he had to specify the temperatures of the candles, like varying yes. temperatures. <laughs> See, I still thought it was the heat because he was asking for candles that were yeah. a specific temperature. No, but actually, I, I rewatched it this afternoon, and mm-hmm. you, you may remember this already. But that you know, he spills or falls down in the beginning, and Tindy laughs, and she's like, "Oh, yeah. so sorry." And I was like, "Oh, that's they're foreshadowing the end yeah. there." I didn't even pick that up on the first time around because yeah. yeah. by the time I got to the end, I'd forgotten that even happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it, that's but it, cute. But it was it was so funny. It was something that actually registered with me because as ridiculous as that scene was, it does show there's 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 um. There's a spine in Boimler. You know, he yep. he has the stuff. And yep. even Ransom, like you said, when Ransom told the other guy, yeah, whatever, you can take the bridge. He actually gives Boimler a true compliment. Like, good job. Mm-hmm. Shows real leadership. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah which I, is better than, that. yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, you're right. And I love at the end that all the other people were basically like, you know, this this kind of blows. And then they're like, they mm-hmm. realize Boimler's cool. So I thought that was kind of neat, too. Yeah. Good episode. Yeah, I, I, thought, really it was, I thought it was good. Yeah. And now we're yeah. over well, six episodes into the season now. So we've only got four episodes left. Mm. So wow. we, sh- we should be getting into the, uh, the nitty gritty of it. You know, yeah. you know, last year, yeah. those last, those back half of the episodes like ramped up every, every week. And so I'm, yeah. and I'm wondering too, like, is this Peruvian bomb going to be a big, uh, season finale plot point yeah i wondered that because they weren't exactly warping out of orbit at a warp nine or something to get to earth so i assume they called them of course right. but <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're right I'm, i didn't you know for some reason i was stuck thinking it was 13 episodes you're right it's only 10 it is 10 so yeah they got to do some action i mean action action like you're right, like an arc or something like that is Riker going to come back i don't know uh is there going to so. be a war with the backlit or tom paris or both oh yeah interesting or yeah. captain yeah. shelby Oh, yes. even better! <laughs> like I, I would love it if it just turned into one of those. Because last last time we had the big, the big moment was, um, you know, the the Titan showing up. You know, you have right. the big battles and stuff. It blew everybody's mind. But I would love it if this season ended with a big like Dominion War style battle. You know, oh, that'd be great. Because I mean, they've already introduced all these other Starfleet ships and various Starfleet characters. You know, you could have Tom Paris fly in with like a squadron of Delta flyers. You know, you can do right. so many things. If, I, I, I think that would be that would be great. Just keep blowing everybody's mind with how big and awesome Lord Dex yeah. can get. Do y'all even try to quote, as it were, read ahead to know what's coming? I don't. I go in blind completely. I try not to even know episode titles ahead of time. So I'm. I'm. I don't even know if there's an arc coming. I haven't looked at anything. You know, I, I avoid it. spoilers, but I will watch like promotional materials. Ah, so like okay. the trailers and clips and things like that, I'll watch. Mm, but no, okay. I don't know. I mean, I presume that there's going to be an arc because they did that so well last year. And why yeah. wouldn't you? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to. It. Still hasn't disappointed me. I will say this. Um. 
what are we 16 in now there's not yeah. one episode i call bad and yeah, that's that's a heck of a track record yeah it's a solid show yeah absolutely all right well keith where can people find more of you on the internet you can find me on instagram and on the eso network facebook groups okay and what about us veronica uh feltnerdy.com yep you can get that takes us to our facebook page uh, or you can find us on youtube or in our uh instagram twitter we're all over just search for felt nerdy and then since alan's not here i'll promote him he's uh he's cosmicpress.com or who lanta's where you can find alan and um, k-o-z-m-i-c press.com yeah there you go awesome haha <laughs> i used alan's words this time <laughs> <laughs> all right veronica take us out when i find you i'm going to kill you with a flake of my power i am a skin of evil more like a puddle of s <laughs> I don't know if I can say the whole word because they bleeped Mariner out. Uh, you could have said it. I could have bleeped you out. Oh, okay. Oh, do over. Okay. When I find you, I'm going to kill you with a flake of my power. I am a skin of evil. More like a puddle of shit. <laughs> I can't believe you cussed on the podcast. <laughs> you told me to. I think you should leave all of that in. Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.